0: good evening my haunted brothers and sisters this is john combo of haunted mtl today we are talking with the team from the podcast pseudopod speaking with me is alex hofleck karen bovenmeyer and sean garrett how's everyone doing today
1: hello I'm uh, fine <laughs> great
2: thanks for inviting
0: yeah yeah appreciate the invite and
3: doing as, as well as can be expected with uh, you know broad gestures
0: at everything outside Uh, absolutely
1: (laughs) yeah true enough
0: (laughs) (laughs) well thank you guys very much for for uh, giving me this opportunity today Uh, I wanted to reach out and discuss horror Uh, so what is pseudopod
1: Uh, we are a a podcast uh, fiction uh, podcast uh, reading of short stories available for free across a wide range of spectrum of time, uh, current authors, recent authors, old authors, uh, we do it all, uh, but it's specifically fiction reading, um, a little bit of commentary from the host, but,
2: but our purpose is to present short fiction in a, uh, a read
0: format for the audience. So, Pseudopod is a subsidiary of Escape Artists. Uh, Karen, is that correct?
2: Um, we are one of the four podcasts that makes up the Escape Artists company. Yes.
0: And and specifically, what type of fiction is Pseudopod associated with?
2: We are a the horror podcast, um, compared to Escape Pod, which does science fiction, Podcastle, which does fantasy, and Cast of Wonders, which does um, young adult. But it is any, any genre, anything that has a sense of wonder to it. So uh, we are specifically the horror podcast. And then, although sometimes we publish science fiction horror or fantasy horror, or even a young adult horror, for us it, it must be horror.
0: If, if you could uh, each, starting, uh, Sean, we'll start with you. What is each of your roles uh, at Pseudopod?
1: I'm co-editor. Uh, I've been co-editor since uh, 2011. So that means uh, that I'm in the process of picking the stories and assigning the readers and generally deciding what gets on the podcast.
0: Uh, Karen?
2: I am the assistant editor, uh, and one of my primary duties is to give my perspective on stories that have made it through the gauntlet and to uh, to the highest levels that we're trying to decide what goes on to the podcast. So I sort of like weigh in with my own opinion. Um, and then also uh, helping manage our team of associate editors who do all of our first reading, so our first line of readers that read all of that work that comes in.
0: And Alex?
3: Well, and I, I also want to throw in that uh, Karen is a master of documentation, <laughs> and she yes. keeps sure. a lot of the, the paperwork uh, in order that the rest of us don't – Yeah. She, she she is particularly uh, particularly adept at it um i, I do a lot of the uh, same thing share share the load and uh i'm also the one who tends to go after um when we're querying estates and uh pursuing rights uh we we pay uh professional rates the CIFWA approved professional rates for all our original fiction and then for reprint fiction we um, pay a flat $100 uh, reprint fee and we've been paying for the last 14 years that we've been a podcast
0: 14 years so that that uh, brings me to my next question uh, Pseudopod is going to be celebrating a big milestone here shortly uh, well um, the <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we've we've
3: we've got a uh, we got a pretty big milestone coming up uh, next year. we we've got a, a few plans um, for that. Not not all of them that we can uh, th- that we can uh, point to. One of the things that we would like to highlight is our um, sister podcast, Skate Pod, who started a year before us. They're celebrating 15 years, and they have partnered with Titan Books to release a printed anthology uh coming out this fall and if that goes well then yeah you know, there there may be further opportunities so everybody should pre-order that thing i know i am
0: so uh, and uh you guys have the seventh 700th episode coming up here uh shortly right alex
3: yes yeah, yeah we're uh, we, we um, one of the things that, that we realized is um, we were discussing next year about we try and do big milestones for you know, big milestone stories for every multiple of twenty five. Okay, uh, we try and bring something classic back. You know, we we, we try to, to show the the breadth and depth of the horror genre. Um, everything from quiet horror to to splatter punk from. You know, pulp and gothic to, to modern and we realized that we had never ever run a story by Poe and so Poe is such a titan he, he looms over the entire genre of horror like a bust of palace and so we had to <laughs> figure out something that we could do so we're, we're actually going to be running a month uh, showcase celebrating Poe and his influence on the genre, both uh, uh, people shortly after him and then modern uh, influences as well.
0: So are you giving uh, Haunted MTL a bit of uh, exclusive content that we can expect a Al- Edgar Allan Poe story for the 700th episode? Yeah, absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and that month in general uh, pretty much uh, will be Poe and Poe related material so.
0: great awesome uh, Karen why do you think that, that horror the horror genre still has a large appeal I mean you, uh, Pseudopod is one of several podcasts that does exclusively horror but for you guys to have made it to your 700th episode to be continuing after 14 plus years is incredible why do people continue to listen to horror all year long
2: I think that horror is a particularly important genre to help us process our emotions Um, and I know that right now because the world is uh, going through such a difficult challenge some people you know, need to step away from some darker emotions right now because it's a lot to process right but people will always come back because we have all these things sort of locked inside us that horror likes to step into and explore and say you know what does it really mean to be human and what are the choices that we make when we find ourselves in extreme situations and you know how do those how do those define us as human beings and I don't know Stephen King I believe is the one who said that for him he wrote about things that frightened him that helped him process um, just kind of bad things that happened to him bad things that are happening in the world around him um, so I think for for authors I can say that it's it's an important outlet to help process darkness and I think for readers it is something that can engage uh, Maybe a deeper set of feelings than are usually triggered by other kinds of fiction. Um, so I think horror it pushes the boundaries. It always has, and it takes people to places that enables them to feel things. I think that maybe other fiction doesn't. Um, that's I think that's I think that's my opinion. Um, Alex, Sean, do you guys have more to add there?
1: Um, I'd say from a personal point of view, I agree with with everything Karen said, from a personal point of view, um, I was a big fan of scary stuff since I was a very little child, and uh, it was only much later in my life as an adult that I began to realize that retroactively, oh, I had all these anxiety issues, and this was my way of dealing with them. So I think that is to some degree true of the larger audience. Um, Not all people, you know, some people are just looking for entertainment, uh, but for some people I I think it it ends up being something that helps them uh, by giving them a structure that allows them to, as Karen said, work through uh, how they feel about certain things. And uh, if our Twitter feed is to be believed Uh, We've we've had quite a number of people uh, as listeners come on board as listeners who didn't think they liked horror and then discovered, you know, that there were certain stories that Sudapod presented that they liked an awful lot and so, uh, you know, that's another thing is we're very big about uh, highlighting the full range of what's available in our genre and kind of fighting the uh, the stereotypes uh, that get presented of it, the, which are understandable because there's a lot of lazy, you know, horror type stuff out there. But I think that uh, for the audience, often they wouldn't think they would like a show like ours because they think they know what it's going to be like ahead of time. But then, you know, as I often say, listen for a month, listen to four stories, and if you don't like all four of those stories, then, uh, then okay. But we do try to present a wide enough range of stuff that uh, I think we we uh, we hit what a lot of different people want out of the uh, out of uh, you know just the experience of fiction.
2: Yeah, and I would yeah. add, that each of us have very different tastes in some regards, because there'll be a story that um, one of us is just like wow, you guys, this one, got to read this one. And the other two of us will read that one sometimes. And sometimes we're we'll like, "Yo, yeah, wow, look at this. <laughs> this high, high, you know, oh, my gosh. And other times we'll, you know, respond back with, well, that's not really my kind of thing. I don't know about that one. I mean, it's got good skill, but it's got this thing in it that I particularly don't like. But then, you know, the other two will come back with, yeah, this, this is extremely high quality and I really like this, this, and about it. And we'll we'll fight with each other, too, on some. I'll like, okay, well, if I get to have this story, then, <laughs> you know, let's negotiate on this other story here. That I, so, yeah, and I think that that adds to some of the breadth of what it is that we do on, on Pseudopod and, and opening things up. And then to respond to something else Sean said is, I'm one of these people who didn't know that I liked horror. I actually hadn't read any King until I was... You know, 40. Right. <laughs> um, as a little kid, I read all science fiction and fantasy, and I and I loved it. But um, I loved I loved scary science fiction and scary fantasy, and I always begged my mother to read me this poem um, called Little Orphan Annie that were about these goblins that would come and take away evil children. Um, And it's absolutely horror. It's about the children being snatched and carried away into who knows where. And it used to terrify me and I would beg my mother to read it to me, right? And then as a English major in college, when I started my writing career, all of my writing was dark and scary uh, stuff. It was all science fiction and fantasy, but all of it was horror. (laughs) And so it wasn't until I started uh, winning some awards for horror (laughs) that <laughs> I realized that I was a horror writer and started going to the Horror Writers Association stuff. and then I was like, oh, oh, these are these are my people too. same same that I find at uh, you know the science fiction conventions and the fantasy conventions like, yep, I this is this has been I was a high anxiety, highly imaginative Dungeons and Dragons playing child and I loved monsters and I loved scary things. Um, and I think it was because they helped me deal with my, my everyday anxieties of just just being a high-anxiety child.
0: Okay. So Alex, do you, uh, how about you, uh, as far as the appeal of horror?
2: Well, I,
3: I'm just going to add a little bit more to
0: that, that depth and breadth of the,
3: the, the genre. Not every story, you know, not every... Story, um, you know, not every everyone is not going to love every single story i mean even we on editorial uh we we each have a couple of stories where we're like no no if i had the chance to veto one that would be it not going to name names but um there's also the the flip side of that is every single story is somebody's favorite because even the ones where even the ones where i would pick okay that that one would go I've had people come up and go. That is my absolute favorite story. That's the one that hooked me in. And you know, I'm, I'm here for, I'm here for this because of it. So, you know, we're, you know, it, it, it's good to have kind of the, the broad uh, view of of tastes and opinions.
0: Absolutely, and I, I mean, I will say for a fact that uh, I think you guys do a great job of forewarning listeners uh, with. With uh content warnings as far as like, hey, this deals very strongly with this subject or that subject, stuff that people might be dealing with. Uh, I will say, I think recently the episode uh, funds, which I think I made it maybe about ten minutes into, and I was like, I can't listen to this any- anymore. Um, and and if I'm if I'm mistaken, tell me, but Karen, did you narrate that? Were you the uh, host of that episode?
2: Uh, no, but I helped work on editing you, it. You uh, did, okay.
0: Quite
2: <laughs> with a couple other members of our of our editorial staff, so uh, we uh, three of us who happened to be female edited that story, um, working directly with the um, the male author. Um, and it's really intense, but it's uh, it's also really like a really interesting ending and you know that was one that came through that we all had like a lot of opinions on and and, in our staff and I don't know if we're unusual in this fact or not but we really talk a lot with our uh, associate editors about their we really value their thoughts and opinions about the stories and bring those deeply into our discussions and we also uh, tend to share out more, I think, when we are declining stories, sometimes we will really share with the people who've submitted to us the reason why we didn't their story didn't make it to the, the top level so that they can learn and grow and improve because we want them to keep writing and we want them to keep sending us their best stories and you know, we want to dispel some of that mystery of why didn't my story make it
0: and I think that's a great service there's a lot of submission requests out there that more often than not you just received a you know uh, thanks for submitting but it's, it's not right for us whereas when you submit to pseudopod you get uh, hey you know this we're not looking for this at this time or in this area so I I know that there are writers out there who are not at the level of Stephen King or some of the other big people who are just trying to get their first little piece of flash fiction or something out there, that that means the world to, to just know, hey, this is where I need to fine-tune
2: what I'm working on. Yeah, that was. We do get thank you emails from people.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that was kind of, um, that was one thing that I wanted to institute uh, very strongly when I came on board, which is not to say that we weren't doing it uh, before that, but um, uh, w- w- seeing the importance of feedback in the submiss- submission process, because essentially genre magazines have always been struggling, but they've certainly been struggling you know, more so in terms of money and staff and that kind of thing uh, say in the last 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. Um, and the truth is back in the day, say in the 40s or 50s and even up uh, part of the 60s, you were probably more likely to get constructive criticism back from an editor because they just had, they had a staff and they had some time, you know, and, and the, that feedback loop ends up creating better writers. Uh, and that helps everybody, right? You know, we don't have to read lousy submissions. People get better stories. You know, everybody wins. But, uh, and, and so, you know, as, as we began processing submissions, it just seemed important to me that we try to give some good, some strong feedback, um, you know, not just uh, not just the kind of form feedback, but. Give some idea of the parameters of why something didn't make it, or and sometimes those considerations are quite simply just the fact that we're presenting the story a story in audio. Um, you know, every once in a while, there'll just be something where wow, this is a great story, and this isn't going to work in audio, you know, like sure. it's, it's you know, um, but, but uh, other times it's just the, the craft of, of story writing and uh, being able to give kind of. Uh, tips and you know and occasionally we'll send things back to people and say hey listen these are the things that we had problem with but we really like this the idea of this story so if you want to take another crack at it you know here you go uh, and sometimes we don't so you know but it, we do try we try to um, we try to, to give back to the community and and create you know uh, some kind of positive movement that isn't just involved with us putting material
0: out. So. Absolutely. Yeah, so, that's
2: excellent point. This is a community. Like, horror community really is a community. And when, you know, local friends were like, oh, you're going to go to StokerCon, like, what's that? And I'm like, this is, you know, the World Horror Convention. And people were like, but Karen, you're so nice. Like, we <laughs> up like, like you're into horror. and you Like, you're not, like, you're really nice. and stuff." And I'm like, Okay, if you were in a Stoker Con for 14 seconds, you would see what a wonderful community there is among the horror writers and publishers, and it's just like, it's such a welcoming and warm and friendly and open community, um, and so I feel like, you know, what, what we are doing as far as outreach, uh, we want to have relationships with authors. We want to have Relationships with the people who are submitting to us, and we want to be encouraging and helpful. And you know, we want to see people at conventions and talk with them. And uh, you know, this is—it's a community that we have here. And I know Alex is really very active in uh, some horror horror writer chapters that are nearby. Alex, you want to speak about that for a little bit?
3: Um, yeah, it's—I'm uh, not a writer. I'm just just an editor my my day job pays for other stuff um <laughs> but the I, i've uh, been getting really involved with the atlanta chapter of hwa and apparently we're we've we've broken out of our uh, last uh couple of spaces and we've had to kind of re uh, make adjustments we're growing uh quite nicely but um, yeah, we're it's been, it's been nice to get out and do some of the regular personal um, interfaces with, with some of the community and be, being able to have a little bit of that conversation. One of the things um, that was um, in participating with HWA and kind of the the whole stoker process and um you know, working with a, a number of people in the community one of the things that we realized uh it doesn't get nearly enough attention is every year there's a large swath of collections and anthologies that come out every year i know last calendar year there was at least 50 anthologies and about 100 collections author collections of of short fiction that came out in 2019 and it's so easy for so much of that to get lost and that's two collections every week for a calendar year Um, and one, one anthology a week so one of the things that we're doing to try and help bring a little bit more visibility back to the community is we blocked off November and December of this year to kind of highlight stories from anthologies and collections that are published in 2020. So we're, we're trying to help shine a spotlight and kind of amplify the message of some stuff that's coming out this year, um, get, it, get it a little bit more visibility, a few more eyeballs, get, get a few more people talking about it, and get a couple more interesting modern stories to put in front of our audience.
0: So uh, speaking about, uh, you know, people submitting and the community, what uh, percentage of original content, uh, Alex, is, uh, is Pseudopod? Your, your monthly episodes, what percentage would be original content?
3: Um, somewhere in the 30% range Thirty uh, right now is original content. And some of that is uh, we're trying to show depth and breadth. Of of the uh, of the genre, you know, trying to show range in you know because there's so many places for you know fiction to you know get not seen so many so many little tiny markets and just not enough you know share of eyeballs reading those or ears hearing it, ears hearing it. We want to you know we, we do a Fair number of reprints just to try and help highlight that. Right. Um, we're also trying to uh, one of our efforts, regular efforts, is there's people can point to Mary Shelley and they can point to Shirley Jackson maybe, um, and then uh, maybe name some some modern um, women who wrote horror, but trying to fill in data points between those. Uh, there's there's a lot of erasure that has gone on um and continues to go on to to forget those those women who have been writing horror all along so one of the things that that we are making an active effort to try and do is bring some more of those stories back in front of people and make them aware of that Um, and you know another another part of that is frankly budget you know, we've, um, you know, CIFWA raised the, the rates from six cents a word for original to eight uh, last year, and so in order for us to maintain our status as a uh, as a CIFWA qualifying organization, we're paying more per word, and it's still a pittance. It's still way less than writers deserve, but we're entirely donation-funded organization. So... Budget comes in and plays a uh, a piece in there as well, but we try and uh, get it. squeeze out a few more, um, squeeze out a few more original stories each year, in exchange for doing a couple of public domain stories.
0: Sure, and uh, where where can we find where, where's the location that uh, listeners can donate at if if they so choose.
3: Hey the pseudopod.org and right up at the top they can click on feed the pod and that is uh, that provides a number of opportunities to donate there's a we've got a regular patreon feed that has uh, recurring content out there that's an additional above and beyond um, we've also been running bonus stories we'll throw a bonus story out one a month um, to our donors and um, but Patreon is, is one of the preferred platforms, but there's a number of others um, for, for folks that would like to uh, throw some cash our way. Uh,
0: and now, another role at Pseudopod is uh, your slush readers, which you have recently decided to start trying to pay. Uh, Sean, can you uh, give my audience a bit of a rundown of what the job of a slush reader is?
1: Uh, yes, and um, what s- officially they are, Karen. You use the term associate editor, is the official title, uh, but we use slush reader. Is 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 associate editor correct, Karen? Uh, let's see if she's there. She might not. Whoop. I'll get it. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, associate editor is the term that we uh, use for yeah. our slush readers, which is also known as first yeah. readers. They are our first line of defense. Yes. Go on, Sean. Uh, and. Um,
1: you know they they uh they take the you know the truth is that while markets in terms of being able to say keep a print magazine on the newsstand have dwindled for genre fiction uh over the years uh they there probably has been no dwindling in the amount of people who want to submit to uh to genre magazine so we receive a lot of submissions and uh slush readers are, are the front line uh defense they're the first people that see the stuff that comes in and uh we have how many how many do we eight or ten people at this point how do we, we we've got a pretty good amount uh i don't uh, i don't remember the yeah,
3: it's in that range
1: yeah uh and um you know they're we don't do a lot of pre-vetting but you know obviously they have to have the interest of coming to us and asking uh And then from that, uh, we're looking for them to sift out the material that deserves the next set of eyes, so, uh, you know, it gets kicked up the ladder, Um, and uh, it can be a very grueling process to be a slush Reader. I wouldn't wouldn't suggest anybody do it for any length of time, but honestly, (laughs) if you're in any way looking at certainly being an editor... Uh, or in any way being involved with judging quality of things, uh, being a critic, that type of uh, thing, and, and you're young, it's, it's I would say, something that, that's um, extremely worthwhile uh, to be involved with, even for a short term. I'd also say that if you're uh, starting out as a writer, it's useful to be a slush reader. In both cases, because you get exposed to it forces you to do something which I think a lot of people tend to shy away from, which is that people are, it's somewhat easy for people to articulate why they like things, and it's harder for them to take the time to articulate why something doesn't work. And in doing that, it forces you to start to ask questions about your own process of how you look at things and how you rank them and why you you know uh, consider things that way so um it's a very useful process for the slushers and it's a very useful process for us because it saves us having to read i mean i you know i i read in my day job uh, editing for uh, an, uh for a press and uh the last thing I want to do is have to read a thousand more stories uh, when I don't have to uh, and, and just read the good stuff you know uh, so uh, they really are the heroes of the front lines honestly
3: and <laughs> so one of the other skills that that's really um, to, to add on to what Sean was saying and to hone here is being able to step your game up to the next level being able to articulate why something doesn't quite work this is good but it's it's missing something here or you know these are these are the you know kind of the the it almost works but you know we need to be able to develop empathy for these characters we just can't quite do it or this voice isn't quite right, or you know, great story, but it completely, you know, just the, the ending just completely falls flat. Yeah, and that, being able to articulate those,
1: yeah, as, as I've often said, uh, when we bring slushers on, I think it's in the, the kind of cover, uh, text that we give them to read. Uh, it isn't slushing is is a a strange thing because it isn't the great stories uh, that are a problem because you read them and you're like this is great and I'm gonna kick it up and it isn't the really bad stories that are a problem because you're like well this is terrible and I can easily tell people you know tell the author why uh, there are problems with it Uh, it's the almost theirs and you begin to like you know really realize that this is what you're gonna have to sharpen your teeth on uh, as, as you get into it uh, because you know there'll be things where it's like oh this is such a great idea for a story but the execution is you know a problem or this guy has a great voice but there's no story to the story you know and 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 making those distinctions is, is uh, a skill that you have to develop over time
0: yeah absolutely um, so yep. can, Oh, go ahead, Karen, you got...
2: Well, when I was an early author, like when I had first graduated with my MFA, I, uh, through a contact, started doing slush reading for Nightmare magazine by John Joseph Adams, and I spent four years working for Nightmare magazine um, trying to read three stories a day uh, that were coming in through the slush pile, and I think I, I learned a lot from that. I usually would recommend six months to a year for a new author, um, to do slush reading to learn you know kind of their ropes but I you know I'm just gonna agree with these guys I think it really helped uh, sort of fast track my development and adjusting from what MFA school writing is like to what actual like selling your work for publication is like it was very useful for me as a developing author
1: yeah reading slush will, uh... Rid you of some of the more airy fairy kind of uh, concepts that you you get in uh, in writing classes or uh, from a purely academic point of view, which are all good ideas to have. But still, you know, in a, in a, it really does kind of ramp up the practical aspects of uh, of of reading a whole a whole lot of fiction. It it ramps up the practical aspects that you as a writer should uh, should be focusing on. So.
0: So one of the things, uh, as far as pseudopod is concerned, you guys look for a range of stories. I believe for pseudopod, flash is 500 words or less, and then on average for uh, long stories, you're looking for a minimum of two 2,000 words, I think. Alex, maybe you know?
3: Well, um, the flash, we, we aim for... 500 to 1500 okay um the once there there is kind of a fuzzy area you know, if it's more than 1500 but less than 2000 we could run it as in our own as its own story and we have done that with a, a handful um like the story that we ran for good friday yesterday <laughs> and um one we ran last year about uh you know, malicious, uh, balloons. Right. <laughs> uh, it's the, those, you know, those are great compact stories and they, if they, they don't, we don't want them to overrun their, their welcome, but we like to bundle flash stories up to, um, do kind of a flash on the borderlands and try and pair three thematically together and, uh, make a, a full episode about a, Our sweet spot's about a 4,500-word story because that's about a 45-minute episode. It's about a... Because we we still aim for, even though nobody's commuting right now, (laughs) we aim for about a commute length of something where you don't want horror to... Horror in particular. If you're working on building tension, you don't want to have somebody stop you know somewhere around the uh, 80% mark in a story right there ideally it's best consumed in a single city
0: and and so uh, before pseudopod I had never heard the term flash I had never considered that short a story what what's the secret behind a 1500 word or less story what 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 are you trying to do, or what does an author need to do to make that work?
2: Ooh, I can speak to that one if Go. you guys don't mind. <laughs> All
0: right. Yes, please.
2: That's my that's my primary area in which I work, because I definitely write a lot of flash uh, fiction. And I feel like in order to make a flash work really well, you've got to have like one pretty strong idea that you're wanting to explore in the story. You can have a kind of a, a nascent character, uh, but it does have to be a human story and and uh, engaged with human problems. You know, usually pretty pretty deeply ev- emotionally evoking. But you have to like get in, deliver you know your exciting idea or a change point for the character or something, and then get out. Um, <laughs> it's it's so compressed uh, that. Uh, that, that's how it works in horror generally is you got to deliver that, that surprise that is also still connected to a character um, and just strongly get in, deliver it, get the heck out before you overstay your welcome. Uh,
0: so Karen, so have you written any, uh, anything longer than that? I, in fact, I know you have, but <laughs> <laughs> um, would you say, what's, what's harder to write?
2: Um, so for me, I seem to have two settings. I have okay. novel and novella settings, uh, where like I sit down and I write a full-on novel, or I write a really long like science fiction horror novella, a la Aliens, kind of situation. Or I sit down and I'm like, I feel like writing is something with, you know far future uh, flash fiction that's kind of like, let's look at the Terminator and say you know what if this was biological zombie, you know sorts of things. Or uh, what if we have uh, little kids who can sort of tell the future and uh, with creepy powers and then, you know, like, <laughs> I'll go in and just do a, like, I want get, to get through this idea. But the middle range there, 2,000 plus words to less than 8,000 words, that was a real struggle for me for years. Really? To try and penetrate that, like, your standard story length that... You know, you can sell for a full rate for your CIFL membership, and like that was really, really tough. But I feel like I've most recently cracked the code um, through. So I'm a seat of your pants writer. Seat of the pants writer. You know that I, a story and character really important to me, but structure was something that like I knew was a good idea. But when I started working with structure, it always like throttled the joy out of the story and out of writing for me. Mm. But lately, I seem to have cracked this code where someone says, "Hey, Karen, can you write a 5,000 word story for this anthology or a 3,000 word story for this anthology?" And now I'm to the point where I sit down and I'm like, okay, if I'm doing 5,000 words, I need you know this many points of, of, of story integration with this many number of characters where I can adequately tell this story in that length, right? Uh, or 3,000 words, I'll need to do this. Um, and so I've, I've kind of got it like down, <laughs> down to, a, to a system now that I can, you know, explore out later for other authors if they have, you know, some more questions about that. But I do, like, I feel like you only have room to explore one idea in a flash. Uh, you can only explore, really, one character's arc per 1,000 words. You know, one idea per 1,000 words, one character's arc per 1,000 words uh or you're really pushing it
0: (laughs) so uh before i have my final question uh, is there anything any of my guests would like to any uh, final points about pseudopod that my guests would like the audience to know
1: If you haven't listened to us, uh, give us a try. Uh, we, we have a very dedicated following. Uh, we put a lot of time and effort into, uh, into the presentation, it, and by that I mean that we go out of our way to try to pick w- people we consider to be the, the, the perfect reader or the right match. Um, so it isn't just about the story, it's about the presentation of the story. Um and uh, especially if you cool. think that, that you're not a a fan of horror, uh, give us a try anyway because as I said, the, according to what I was just recently reading on the Twitter feeds, uh, some people really uh seem to have kind of come around to the genre because of us, and that's uh heartening for me because uh, you know. It, it, horror tends to get to be kind of swept into the you know, the um the the less um you know less respected side of, of, of genre fiction because there is a, a stupid component of it. It's it's very easy to just, you know, mangle something. <laughs> uh, you know, mangle a body. But, uh, but having said that, it's been around a long time, and there's a lots and lots of different ways of doing it. And uh, so um, I would, I would do, say, please, if you're at all interested, please give us a try. And if you don't like the first thing you hear, give us another try.
3: <laughs> yeah, and um, we, we try and take the approach of every episode as somebody's first. Um, but we also have uh, on our front page... Um, under the episode selection, we've got a you know something to help people get around the fact that we have practically 700 episodes uh, in the back catalog for them to, to listen to. So there's a, a new listeners' uh, suggestion where um, based on you know multiple years of staff recommendations and also listener feedback and you know popular polling we we put together uh, a pretty solid list pared down to about 25 stories that uh yeah would be a great place for people to just kind of step in and uh, get their get their toes wet
2: yeah and i would add You know, just want everyone to know we like you, we care about (laughs) you, uh, we want to support you, and we are all part of a this community of horror. Um, And so, like, if you're you know scared or nervous to be starting to send out your writing, just go ahead and do it. Um, We like discovering new people, and we want to read your work. Um, We're not going to be open again until October, I think, right, Alex? Yeah but uh, when that time comes you know be working on some stuff be getting your things ready and we absolutely want to see that come through and we are going to give it our full consideration like our our team will read it carefully and think about it and we will know why we've we have uh decided to send it back to you if we send it back um but we you know we want to see your stuff keep writing keep keep reading horror other people those of you who aren't writers who are just listeners you know we we know that we are giving you guys a service that is helping you and we believe strongly in that Um, and we want to hear from you too what stories did you like how did you feel about those stories Um, how did they inspire you or help you or just you know tell us what your thoughts are we like to engage with the community
0: all right thank you so here's my final question and for each of you I'd like an answer so if somebody introduced themselves to you they have never heard of horror don't know what it is you have to give them one piece of media and say this is horror what would you give them Alex
3: Uh, I'm I'm going to uh, step back from from our content Um, one of the things that I would point them to right now is uh, the unabridged audiobook of World War Z Okay. Um, Max Brooks put together a fantastic study of the of the fantastic post-apocalyptic fiction. It happens to have zombies in it, um, but it's it goes through kind of the anthropology and the sociology of the fall and reconstruction of society, you know, during a, a epidemic and re-listening to it right now with everything that's going on out there right now there's a number of spots where it's just hitting hitting really uh, strong right now so that's a that's one fantastic piece of media and the when you're Mel Brooks kid and you know everybody in Hollywood and you can grab some of the best voice actors out there to read each individual part so it's, it's kind of presented in a uh, media, you know, recorded interview format. It's it's just a fantastic piece of media out there that everybody should uh, take the time to consume.
1: Awesome. Sean? Uh, this is really, really, really tough for me. I'm a, I'm a generalist in the sense that <laughs> I like a lot of stuff across a wide range, and I like movies, and I like audio, and I like fiction, and um. Gosh, you know and and I guess part of my problem is that it, if the if the, uh, the given uh, person that I'm talking to, I, I generally like to kind of query them a little on what they like or don't like, you know, in the sense of like uh, directing them. Um, oh gosh though, you know, Jeez, that's a tough one. I mean, I could go with one of the great classics and just say, just read uh, Ghost Stories of, a, of an Antiquary by M.R. Jaden. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's... But maybe they don't like British stuff. Maybe it's too stuffy. So then I'd say, all right, then read some Richard Matheson. Or, you know... But that's too old. It's from the 50s. Okay, then read, uh, na- you know, uh, The Nightmare Factory by uh, by Thomas Ligotti, um, which is an amazing collection of short fiction. Uh, There's just a lot of stuff out there. I mean... Uh, I think that, you know, the the problem is there's lots of kinds of horror. So it would be difficult for me to say what this is horror for you, you know, without knowing who you are. Sure. <laughs> uh but that's kind of, you know, the idea of, of the the podcast itself is we we like to uh give the whole spectrum and let people find the stuff that they like themselves. So Uh, So that's my non-answer answer. answer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Karen? Uh,
2: So for me, I think I knew Frankenstein was horror, and I knew Edgar Allan Poe was horror to me growing up. Um, And then, like I said, I hadn't really read King, I hadn't really read modern horror, I didn't really watch modern horror movies, but like, uh, when I decided to go and get my MFA, um, right beforehand, I met a um editor at a convention and he said hey i am i'm coming out with this new uh, anthology and i would really like for you to send me a story because i found the question that you asked me during my session really intriguing and, da, da. and i was like oh okay well what what is it and he said well it is a horror anthology do you write horror <laughs> and at the time i didn't really know that that's what my science fiction and fantasy were that they were all really dark and, and that they were in fact horror but i and i was like uh but what came out of my mouth was sure mr <laughs> editor of course i write horror no problem uh and so then i and he said okay great get it to me in three months and i was like "Already." And I went home, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten into? What even is horror? I don't even, you know, how do I know? And so I did this little internet search. I was like, all right, I need somebody to tell me what horror was. And then this um, podcast came up called Pseudopod that I had never heard of before. And it said it was the sound of horror and that it was a horror podcast. And I was like, oh, okay. And there was this special button you could click where you could order um, these, CDs that had all of the past episodes on them. Two hundred episodes at the time, <laughs> I believe. And so I got two hundred episodes of this this thing called pseudopod and I listened to it. I chain listened to it because I was scared. I wanted to know what horror was. And the, and as I listened, um, I started to just really understand. <laughs> what it was that horror was, why I actually was a horror author, and that I actually had been writing horror ever since I was a little child, uh, and that this really was for me, and I sat down, and I I wrote that story, and I happened to have um, a mentor, um, Nancy Holder, who is a a Bram Stoker winner, was my my mentor in my writing program at the time, I got my degree from the popular fiction degree from Stone Coast, uh, University of Southern Maine, And so I kept sending her these stories, and she was like, nope, nope, (laughs) nope, nope. And I was like, "Ah!" until finally, I think it was probably after I had just finished listening to all of the Pseudopod CDs, I finally wrote something that she wrote back, and she said, this, this one, this is the one. And uh, so then I kept developing that story and wrote it, and I'm happy to say that the the, uh, editor accepted the story, purchased it, paid me for it. And then asked me for another story for his next anthology, <laughs> um, okay. and it was for me absolutely thrilling when I sold one. I sold one of my early stories to Pseudopod, and I was like, "Oh my god, I actually sold to Pseudopod!" <laughs> and then when I met Alex and he s- approached me about becoming assistant editor, I was like have i died this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) so you know that's the sappy answer that i think pseudopod was what really told me what horror was but it's true
0: all right well i would like to thank my guests karen bovenmeyer alex hofleck and sean garrett thank you guys very much for your time i really appreciate it
1: you're very welcome thank you thank you